Section 15 of Pantrophion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Pantrophion by Alex Soyer. Shell Fruit Almond Tree this tree, whose fruit was called at one time Greek nut, and at another Thassian nut, is a native of Paphiglonia, according to Hermippus. The nations of the East thought much of almonds, and Jacob found them worthy of appearing among the presents he designed for Joseph. The almond tree of Naxos supplied the markets of Athens. The Romans, in their turn, sought them and believed, like the physicians spoken by Plutarch, that it was only necessary to eat five or six almonds to acquire the ability of drinking astonishingly. Besides, this fruit had not always so mean a destination. The disciples of Epicius made it one of the most delicate of dishes. Here it is as taught to them by their master take almonds that have been pounded in a mortar, and mix them with honey, pepper, garum, milk, eggs, and a little oil. Submit the whole to the action of a slow fire. The ancients were acquainted with the oil of almonds, of which they made nearly the same use as we do ourselves, but they possessed, in addition, an infallible means of augmenting the fertility of the almond tree. It was very simple. A hole was made in the tree. A stone was introduced into it, and thanks to the virtue of this new manure, the branches soon bent under the weight of almonds. The good almonds come from Barbary and the south of France. When young, they are preserved like green apricots. They are eaten at table, fresh or dry, in comfits, pastry, etc., they are also used to make great and refreshing emulsions. The oil extracted from almonds, even bitter ones, is very sweet. It is best extracted cold, by pressure. The pulp is employed, under the name of almond paste, for several purposes, one of which is to render the skin soft and flexible. Walnut Tree Asia, the cradle of most fruit trees, gave birth also to the walnut tree. It is believed to be a native of Persia, and its pleasing foliage already adorned in biblical times the orchards of the east. One of the most ancient of the sacred books informs us that it was known to the Jews, and it may be inferred from a passage in the Song of Solomon that they possessed numerous plantations of this tree. Among the Persians, walnuts were not lavished on the first comer, as with us. The sovereign reserved them for his dessert, and the people were obliged to abstain from them. But perhaps it may be said that, however fond this prince may have been of walnuts, he could not eat all that were produced in his states. The objection is embarrassing, we own, and chroniclers are silent on this point. But let us suppose that this generous potentate 
distributed to his favorites the walnuts from which his satiated appetite was compelled to abstain and indeed we find that a king of persia sent some to the greeks who called them royal persian nuts in gratitude and remembrance of the august gift they did still better the king of olympus had a great liking for this fruit so they hastened to consecrate it to him and the nuts of jupiter were cultivated with honor in the whole of greece italy received the walnut tree from attica and by degrees the conquerors of the world introduced it to the different countries of europe the romans imitators of the piety of the greeks placed this tree also under protection of the most powerful of their gods one of their most whimsical customs perhaps owed its origin to this consecration which will serve to explain it after the wedding feast the bridegroom strewed in the nuptial chamber at night several baskets of walnuts which children hastened to pick up this was they said a kind of offering to jupiter and thus he was entreated to grant his supreme patronage to the husband and to adorn the wife with the virtues of juno the god could not have failed to smile at this part of the request of blind mortals and it asserted that at times he condescended not to grant it others have given a different interpretation according to them the walnut being covered with a double envelope when fresh became a presage of abundance and prosperity it would be too tedious to relate all the singular options to which this ceremony gave rise the most reasonable appears to be that adopted by certain commentators walnuts say they served as playthings for children and by throwing them on the ground the day of his wedding the bridegroom made it understood that he and his companion renounced the frivolities of youth henceforth to devote themselves to the serious exigencies of a family this fruit was considered astringent stomachic and proper to facilitate digestion it was made in preserve and eaten in small quantity mixed with figs in this manner paralysis of the tongue was avoided an effect to which it was believed those who partook of them to excess were exposed green walnuts were much esteemed they were served at dessert notwithstanding the opinion of herculides of tartanium who looked upon them as a stimulant to the appetite and advised a trial of them at the beginning of a repast when pompey had made himself master of the palace of mithridates he had search made everywhere for the recipe of the famous antidote against poison used by the king at length it was found it was very simple however we offer it to the curious pound with care two walnuts two dried figs twenty leaves of rue and a grain of salt swallow this mixture precipitate it by the assistance of a little wine and you have nothing to fear from the most active poison for the space of twenty-four hours nut tree the greeks gave hazelnuts the name of pontic nuts and theophrastus called them 
nuts of Herculeae, because the territory of that capital of the kingdom of Pontus produced the best. The Latins at first retained the same designation for this fruit, but afterwards the environs of Prenest and Avellinum supplying them with a great quantity of excellent nuts. They gave them the name of those two cities. They employed also a diminutive to indicate those which came from the first of these localities. The French Aveline, Filbert, and Noisette, hazelnuts, are evidently borrowed from the Roman vocabulary. The inhabitants of Prenest raised the nut tree to sort of religious worship. This tree had preserved them from famine during the time Hannibal besieged their city, and since that memorial epoch it has enriched them, for the ancients preferred hazelnuts to all other shell fruit as possessing most wholesome and nourishing qualities. It was the custom in France some centuries ago, at the time of the summer solstice, Midsummer Eve, to take all the kitchen utensils and make the most frightful clatter by knocking them one against another. The simpletons of those times imagined that there were no better means of preventing the rain, which, in their opinion, was detrimental to filberts and hazelnuts. Hospinian, who relates this ridiculous custom, does not tell us what results they obtained by all their racket. Pistachio Tree This tree, esteemed by the Romans, is a native of India. Louis Vitellius brought some plants of it from Syria to Rome under the reign of Tiberius, a little time subsequently a knight named Flaccus Pompeius introduced it also into Spain. Galleon doubted whether pistachio nuts were good for the stomach. Avicenna proved the contrary, and several centuries before the Arabian physician, Roman epicures had courageously demonstrated that this fruit never does harm in whatever form it may be presented, whether raw or roasted, alone or accompanied with garum and salt. Chestnut Tree According to some writers, the chestnut tree owes its name to the city of Castana, in Thessaly, where they maintained it originated. On the contrary, it comes from Sardis in Lydia, if we are to believe the physician Diphilus, who calls chestnuts acorns of Sardis, and says they are nourishing but indigestible. Amaryllis was fond of this fruit but Amaryllis was only a shepherdess, and her beauty did not prevent her from having rather rustic tastes. The Roman ladies abandoned the chestnut to that low class of citizens whose palates, incapable of improvement, remain always stationary in the midst of the incessant progress of cookery, sad example of invincible frugality which the most exciting fumets failed to arose. Nevertheless, there was a soft, tender species of chestnut, castanet moles, which were allowed on some of the tables of the higher class of citizens, and recommended themselves by their delicate pulp 
to the attention of their guests. Perhaps oil of chestnuts was obtained from this particular kind. To render the chestnuts more agreeable and wholesome, they must be peeled of their skins, which is very tough. Put into boiling water, it penetrates and softens the bitter pedicle, the tan, covering them, and facilitates its removal from the floury substance. When the chestnuts can be easily stripped of this pedicle by the pressure of the fingers, take the jar from the fire, shake them well on all sides. The tan will soon detach itself from the surface, and be altogether removed. Then take them out, and after they have been shaken in a sieve, made purposely, they are washed in cold water, to take away, with what remains of the tan, the bitter water they may have preserved. They are then cooked without water, in a well-covered vessel, and upon a moderate fire. To eat chestnuts green all year, boil them in water for fifteen or twenty minutes. Put them afterwards in a common oven, one hour after the bread has been taken out. By this double operation the chestnuts acquire a degree of cooking and desiccation, by which they can be preserved a very long time, provided they are kept in a dry place. They can be used afterwards by putting them to warm in a bain-marie. Detour Pomegranate Cerise, disconsolate on account of the loss of her daughter, to whom Pluto destined the scepter of hell, implored the ruler of Olympus to restore Posperine. Jupiter promised that the favor should be granted, provided that she had not partaken of anything in the infernal regions. Now she had eaten some grains of a pomegranate, very few indeed. Some serious authors have said three, others, quite as respectable, say nine. The fact is, however, Proscopine had broken her fast. Therefore she might think her fortunate in being allowed to pass six months on earth and six months in the abode of darkness. This little mythologic story informs us that the pomegranate tree was known to antiquity, and that the garden of the Elysian fields contained most excellent fruit for the use of its melancholy inhabitants. The pomegranate, whose acidulated flavor is so pleasing to the inhabitants of hot climates, was first cultivated in the east, then in Africa, but especially in the environs of Carthage, from whence the Romans brought it into Italy, where it was commonly called the Carthaginian apple. It was also named Granatham, on account of the number of its seeds. Pliny distinguishes five different species of pomegranate. Columella teaches the way to rear this tree, and Aspicius treats of the preservation of its fruit, to do which is only necessary to plunge it in boiling water, take it out immediately, and suspend it from the ceiling. The Greeks were very fond of pomegranates. The finest came from Attica, so celebrated by the genius of its inhabitants, and from Boeotia, that privileged soil where agriculture and stupidity flourished together.
End of section 15. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.